the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. of Tech. This one is episode 279 for Tuesday the 3rd of June 2014. Tuesday of course because here in New Zealand yesterday was Queen's birthday holiday. It wasn't of course the Queen's real birthday but it's the holiday we have for it. Anyway my name is Edwin Herman. I am joined over Skype by my co-host Ben Sonko. Welcome to the show Ben. Thanks Ed. I think every day is the Queen's birthday isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it? I think so. I think she wins every day. Yeah, well, you know, if you're the queen, that's kind of like having a birthday every day, isn't it? Yeah, Everyone I think does so. everything for you. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. when you've got your own forest and you've got, you know, you can, you've got your own animals that only you're allowed to kill, I think you're a bit of a winner. <laughs> oh, she's on a good, yeah, she's on a good wicket. I, I, I'd agree with you on that one. Mm. So Ben, uh, what have you been up to lately? I understand you've been mucking around with some uh, some network gear. Yeah, so I've uh, I've reconfigured my home network as you do. So I used to have a bit of a strange setup where the internet would come in on our ground floor, come into a, a modem, and then the internet would well then that would be directed upstairs through an Ethernet cable, and then out into our actual router. And then that would be distributed upstairs and then brought back downstairs and distributed downstairs in the network downstairs. So it was a little bit disjointed and a little bit crazy, but it worked well. But now instead of sending everything upstairs immediately, I've put in a new router downstairs. So the internet comes in, goes downstairs and then gets set around, uh, spread around the house. And the router upstairs has been turned into an access point. So it is just giving us a better wireless coverage over the rest of the house. Okay, but between Uh, the two routers, it's Ethernet, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. So what kind of gear have you got? Well, I've got something called Microtech. Have you ever heard of Microtech? No, I haven't. So tell me about them. They're a company that um, just make really nice hardware. It's very cheap. It's very configurable. It's kind of, it's almost like an open source hardware manufacturer where you can buy just the boards for routers or you can buy each component. You can buy it as kit sets, do whatever you want to do. And it's running something called Router OS, which I believe is a Latvian um, based operating system. Yeah, I just Googled them actually. I see that. A Latvian manufacturer of computer networking equipment. Yeah, Ooh, and router OS is just it's really cool. Um, it just gives you all of the power that you want to unlock in your router. Um, so it gives you, you know, it gives you BGP, it gives you OSF, it gives you all of the internal networking tools, it gives you NetFlow generation for traffic monitoring. Just it gives you a little bit of absolutely everything. Um, so, so Ben, this this has a whole heap more than what your average home enthusiast would be interested in really, isn't doesn't it? Yes, and I wouldn't recommend it for um, you know, Joe Bloggs that wants a, a wireless router. It's it's it doesn't hold your hand. If <laughs> if you don't feel like getting stuck in, then, you know, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Like when it, when you get it, it has no firewall rules. So if you plugged it straight in and configured it properly, you've just opened up your network completely. So you really need to go through a few, you know, hardening steps and you need to learn how it works. You need to learn a little bit around how networking works. But if you're interested in it and mm. 
you're wanting to play with, you know, tools that you'd normally have on fifty to a hundred thousand dollar routers, it's pretty good at a hundred and eighty dollars to get into that. It's only a hundred and eighty for the one you've got. Only a hundred and eighty dollars. That is very um, good. And it's I just I love their gear. I get really passionate about it. It's really <laughs> good gear. And it's so cheap. I just it's so good. Yeah. You never know. They might get bought up by Apple one day though. They're buying a lot of things. You never know. <laughs> they bought twenty something companies, I think, in the last twelve months. They do seem to be busy getting rid of that money, don't they? They do. Like too much, they do. Well, too much they, of your cash. They do have a lot of, you know, cash reserves. Well, they they had a lot of cash reserves. Yeah, had, had is I think the right word. Quite yeah. so many. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, well, that's cool. That's really good, Ben. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, look, you, you're well into your networking. and I mean, this is kind of right up your alley, though, isn't it? Well, I mean, I do, I do look after this for a you know, small company, and I, I am responsible for looking after some of this gear for other companies as well, just in my role as a, a system administrator. Um, but yeah, I do, I do get quite passionate about some of this stuff. When it's, when it's this affordable that anyone could, to, could learn it and play with it, and it gives you all of these tools, it's just, it's really, really cool. They were founded in 95. They're turning over 63 million euros. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mm. That's, yeah, it's not, they're not small fry, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I think anyone that's into this sort of stuff and gets to play with it, yeah, it's just really, really cool. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I think I'll leave you with that, and uh, <laughs> I'll do with the easier stuff, <laughs> the simpler stuff, I should say. <laughs> ah, just learn a little bit, you know, <laughs> go on the deep end. I'm happy with my PHP coding, actually. That, that's what I'll stick to. Um, well, that's, what I, that's what I started with. I just, you know, got a little bit interested about hardware and got it, you know, started looking at the networking side of it and learned a bit about that and then started looking at the server side and learning some of that and then you know now I don't really code at all I just do system admin and deployment stuff and a bit of sort of consultancy and those sorts of things well the one thing I wish I sort of got into but never did and that's iOS development I would have loved right. to uh, you know I tried the thing is I've, I've given it sort of half-hearted attempts twice and failed I think you really need to set aside a decent amount of time and do it properly and I never did so I never really grasped it I think there's a there's a barrier there that is a little bit intimidating but once you get past it, um, it everything sort of opens up as from the little bit that I've seen we've done a little bit of work and um, okay. it's, it, it sort of seems you've just got to jump through all these hoops but once you've jumped through them all it sort of opens it up a little bit a little bit easier um, mm. but it doesn't seem straightforward Mm. Well, anyway, let's kick off the show then. What have we got? A couple of stories this week. First of all, uh, we alluded to the story earlier, Apple buying a whole bunch of companies. Well, the latest acquisition, I think their biggest ever, and that's Beats Electronics. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, they they get two things for this. They get the, the headphone gear, which you've probably seen people wearing those, you know, with the stylized B. Which is also speakers as well. Yeah, because you see it in a lot of laptops. They have Beats beats on them because uh, they're running the Beats speakers. Oh, inside it, oh, is that right? I didn't know. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. check out, check out. Um, I think, some HP, uh, whatever they, oh, whatever whatever they right. are now. Okay, yep. Um, Compaq or yep. whatever. <laughs> they got <can't> through <laughs> I can't a lot keep of changes. Up, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure you see them on them. You see oh, like okay. a little Beats, yep. little beats icon. Um, and I think some Apple... 
laptops have them as well. Really? Um, Are you sure? Which sort of, I, well, I thought so, which sort of makes the, you oh, know, the, oh, the oh, procurement okay. even more logical. Hmm. Well, they get that, and they also get the, uh, the streaming music service, Beats Music. Yes. And, you know, people have said it, it's really not one more than the other that they're, that they're wanting. They're wanting both. They... They want the good gear. It's very popular gear. I think in the uh, in the high level headphone market, they own sixty percent of the market. And also, Apple have noticed the the trend. Although I must say, I'm bucking that trend, and that is uh, going towards streaming services rather than purchasing individual tunes. Incidentally, Ben, where do you sit on that? What, what, what do you like? If you're, if you're going to pay for music and you're going to consume music, would you prefer a subscription or would you prefer to buy a tune and it's yours forever? Uh, I'd prefer to buy it and have it forever. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in, um, in like these companies don't stick around. So your subscription, like all the money that you put in the subscription has value why that company's there. But once you remove your subscription, you then lose all of that music. Uh, yeah, see, I'm kind of the same. I mean, you know, they can sort of pull the rug out from under you. Yeah, at any time, yeah. for any reason. Yeah, I just don't really like that whole... I mean, it has a place. It certainly has a place. And, you know, the best approach is probably a combination of the two where you, you have a streaming service so you get access to everything. But anything that you're wanting permanently, you, you buy individ- independently of that. Brett's the same. And I don't know whether we're just old school... Because the trend has been that you know it's been clear for a few years, and that is that people want streaming. You look at Pandora, you've got uh, Spotify, there's a whole bunch of others as well. You know, it's a growing market. It's- I wonder if it's related to the current state of our disposable society these days. How nothing nothing lasts. So, if, like if you're if you were, say, 20, you've never known any other sort of power tools or household implements that have lasted longer than, you know, 10 years. Nothing would last longer than that because everything is so disposable these days. But when we were young, I don't know about you, but my dad had tools from, you know, that were 30 or 40 years old and yep. he's still got them now. Yep. Um, there's still vacuum cleaners that are like 40 years old that work now. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah, way yeah. that a vacuum cleaner bought now, even if it's the most expensive one you can find, it will not last for 20 years. I'd be very surprised. Uh, I agree. Yeah, but I agree. Nothing, like nothing is made like that anymore. It's just our whole culture has changed. So um, it could well be something to do with that. Uh, that could be a little, little influence, yeah. Just going back to what you said, though, about, well, you know, if these companies disappear. The thing is, I mean, you can argue, because uh, I can understand this argument, you can argue that, well, for a subscription system, you really never lose anything because, say the company, you know, you, you're paying, a. the idea is that you pay a, a nominal fee, that's you know just something that's hardly noticeable really every month, and you get access to millions of tunes whenever you want. So if that company disappears, that's fine. You stop paying them, and you start finding you find someone else. You find another company and start paying them. If you if you want to continue, you know it, it, yep. it's it's not like you're losing something. That is a perfectly valid argument. If 
And you have to, I think you just have to know what it is that you're buying. You I need mean, to know it, that do, you're buying a subscription. Like, to, so it's not really fair to say, would you rather have a subscription service or buy your music individually? Because what we're really saying is they're two mutually exclusive, exclusive things. And you can't think of one like the other. Like you can't buy one CD and think, oh, I've now got access to the whole back catalogue. And at the same time, you can't get access to a subscription service thinking, I now own all this music. So they really are different. Yeah. Yeah, they are. The thing is, though, I think it's still a valid question. How do you prefer to consume music? Would you prefer well, to... No, I don't, I don't think it is fair. Because on the one hand, you can have access to absolutely anything you want, and maybe you only listen to it once. And on the other hand, you're going to listen to things that you have acquired or bought um, and really like, and you're going to listen to them over and over again. I think they're two quite different things. Well, look, I think, I mean, economically, and this this is a no-brainer, if you have a, a relatively small selection of music that you're interested in, but you like to listen to it a lot, then, you know, you might as well just buy those tunes. Uh, or even, or actually, for that matter, if even if you've got a large catalogue of music, but you only really listen to it very, very infrequently, you might as well have bought it. But... If you're gonna listen, if you want to listen to music a lot all the time, and or your interests are very very wide, and you're always looking for new music, and then it makes more sense economically to go for a subscription service. So I guess it is horses for courses. I think realistic, like if you're really passionate about it, you'd probably have both. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think yeah, I, I, there's probably people listening to us right now that are in that camp. That it have yeah. that have purchased tunes and they'll still they still will purchase the odd tune or two here and there, but they have their subscription to whatever it is to listen to whenever they want. The thing is, I kind of use YouTube for that really, and it's free. Yeah, I mean that, that's if you if you know what you're looking for, but I mean I mean I'm I'm going to really show my age now. I still buy CDs. Oh, do you? Yeah, every now and again, I was, like if I want something, I still prefer. Actually, having the physical CD in my in my um, like having it and owning it as a proof of purchase and that a proof that I own this, um, and then if I download a copy of it, I'm fine with that because then I've got a digital copy. But I want that mm, I want right. that actual physical medium um, that will just always be there. Um, so, where do you buy CDs now? There's still CD stores out there, aren't there? Yeah, there's not as many as there used to be, but they're still but around. But they're still around, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think JB's, for example, is that right? Yeah, I mean, they're great. They are really great, JB Hi-Fi. You see, they have a huge selection, don't they? Yeah, and they often have very good sales. Yeah, I mean, I still buy, I buy Blu-rays and DVDs sometimes, and you know, I still I still purchase this stuff if it's, you know, if it's something that I really want. I like CDs as well. It's just I haven't been to a CD store for a while. I just find the the whole online purchasing, especially through iTunes, just so easy. It's you know, it's like oh, really, really love that track. Really, really want it. Dollar seventy nine. It's a no brainer. Let's grab it. You know, done. That I guess you know, it's kind of the way society's going too with the sort of instant gratification thing. I refuse to have an iTunes account. Really? Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> refuse. Oh, oh my god, so, you couldn't hear it. It's so easy. Yeah, I just don't want anything to do with them. Why? I just I don't. I just 
I don't like the things they do, the way they do it, the way that they, you know, you buy a song, download it to listen to it, and then they deliberately make it hard to access that song. And um, like, if you wanted to copy it off or something like that, and the way that they can pull, you know, sell you something, you can then pull it from your catalogue if they lose the rights to it later on. No, that's I, back. Well, that was back in the days of DRM, and that I wasn't. Was, and, and don't forget that that wasn't Apple or any other retailer. It was. It was the music industry and only the music industry that insisted on DRM. Steve Jobs was famous for saying that he really didn't want DRM. And as soon as as soon as he I don't know if he it was he who who broke through this whole DRM thing or not, but certainly he got some credit for it. Uh you know, ever since the the music industry were convinced that DRM was not needed, all the all the uh, tracks or at least all the new tracks and a whole heap of back stuff on on iTunes store and others were being sold without DRM. But if you've if you've bought something from iTunes and it's sitting in your account, and iTunes then lose the rights to that that song or that album, they will pull it from your account. Once you've you downloaded it, they won't. Yeah, pretty sure they will. No, no, they they can't do that. I think they can. <laughs> it's once you've got it. The thing, the only thing is, is that if you if you've got a DRM, first of all, if you've got a non-DRM song, that's never. It's impossible. If you've bought it, if you've bought it through iTunes, I'm not saying one like songs that you've indexed in iTunes. No, no I understand that. No, okay, if it's, I, not at all. Because no, once you've got it, you've got it. It just plays on anything. Okay, I thought that if, I thought that they still had access to like the tracks that you had bought, and if if they no longer had the rights to sell it, that they would pull it from your account. No, no, I've got track. Actually, I, I've got a track somewhere here. Uh, I'm just looking at my iTunes library. I've got a track that is no longer available on iTunes. And in fact, I can still, if I remember correctly, it was one of the early, back in the early days, and I think it has DRM. And when I rebuilt my computer, I had to reauthorize iTunes, and it still acknowledges the DRM for it, even though it's no longer available. You cannot buy this track in iTunes. I've got an example here. Okay. I won't play it because it's a it's a... It's a gimmicky song, and it's in French, so you won't understand it. <laughs> but, and I haven't paid the right for the rights to to broadcast it on the podcast. So what you're saying is there's no reason not to play it. <laughs> no, you're not going to tempt me. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> We're not going to play it. Um, if you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. It's it's a French uh, song about bus drivers, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know why you said that, but no, it's called Lapinou version Elysée. From Koi. Uh, I you, <laughs> shall I? I can't. I was going to say I put a link to it, but it doesn't exist anymore. I, I mean, it uh, exists, sorry, but it's not for sale anymore. So I can't put a link to it in the uh, into the iTunes store. But I might find it uh, if I find a link to it. Put it this way: if I find a, a reference to it somewhere else, I'll put a link in the show notes. How about that? Maybe it'll make its way onto YouTube. Yeah, it may already be there. I I haven't looked. I mean, but when I bought it, I yeah. Anyway. It, <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, really, this topic spawned from the story about Apple buying Beats. Good luck to them. Let's uh, see if it's uh, you know if it yields anything different for for consumers. Well, one interesting thing is that it is actually they've bought a hardware company for once. Yeah, um, or, yeah. or at least part of it. And yeah, yeah. what most people would probably agree is pretty cool hardware. Like they do, they do make very cool hardware and Apple has got a very long track record of selling cool hardware um, yeah. 
Yeah. So in that way, it does make sense. And I, I get the impression also that Beats customers are very passionate about Beats products in the same way that Apple customers are very passionate about Apple products. It'd be funny if they actually hated each other. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, look, I've got a couple of colleagues who are really into the into Beats. Well, you know, they've got the Beats headphones and and whatnot, and uh, they wouldn't buy anything else. I, I might just um, taunt them with the fact that they now own an Apple product, <laughs> and see, <laughs> yeah. just to, well, just to see what kind of reaction I get. You know, I I, I don't know if they're anti Apple or, or pro Apple, or you know, I have no idea. So mm. we'll, we'll see if I can do a a non scientific poll slash experiment like that. Mm. Yes, be interesting. Anyway, that's that. Uh, the other story I've got here this week is Microsoft demoing a a language translation system for Skype voice calls, and it's near real time. Kind of like if you have an interpreter. That's that's crazy. But you know, Ben, if you think about it, right? This this technology was available many years ago because we've we've got we've had uh, dictation, which is you know speech to text. We've had. And we've definitely had text to speech years, decades ago, and translation systems we've had decades ago. Uh, remember Babelfish, and now of course the more popular Google was, Translate. It's really that's just, all written, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But hang on, that's this quite, is no, no. This is what I'm saying. You put these three together. You've got speech to text, then plug in your translation, and then plug in your text to speech. Yes, but have you ever taken a sentence, put it in a translator, and then taken that sentence and put it in another translator that brings it back to English? Is it ever yeah, yeah. even remotely <laughs> you know, close? No, you know what? There's a website out there that does that about, I think, five times over. English, yeah. German, English, French, English, Chinese, English, yeah. something else, then back to English. And it just is completely mangled. Oh, but you're saying that if we put these three different things together, it's not going to do that? Yeah, I look, I hear, I hear what you're saying. You're introducing complexities, absolutely. But at a crude level, you could, you could have, we could have done that at a crude level. And it would have been, look, Ben, I, you're right. It wouldn't necessarily, even the, even the uh, text translations per se aren't great either. But even when they're slightly mangled, you can still work out the gist of what it's trying to say. Yeah, but you'd never sort of completely rely on it. Even even nowadays, like you wouldn't take it as a guarantee that it's right. Like you, you, they're pretty, they're they're, no, they're no, really no, good. You're right, but, but it's about getting the meaning from it. And I I think in most cases, ninety nine percent of the time, the meaning can be interpreted. And uh, I, and yeah, I think that's really, yeah. I think that's kind of where, and it is going to get better. Look, I I do hear what you're saying though, Ben. It's it's not just plugging those three in, but I'm I'm just saying at a crude level, you could have plugged those three things together in a chain, and got a reason. Look, I, I was actually tempted to do it. I I had a quick uh, uh, tinker around with some code earlier, and uh, I was going to try it. I never really got around to uh, completing it, but I was going to try. I was going to use the the Max built-in dictation uh, engine to capture some audio and then it automatically feeds it off to Google Translate and uses the built-in framework on the Mac to bring that back to speech in another language. I mean, what you're saying is is correct. Like, yeah, at a, at a at a basic level, yes you would. But I think I think this is more impressive than that. I think this is like if it actually does real-time voice, that 
because you've got to be able to do it quickly. It's got to make sense. You've got to be able to understand a lot of different dialects and accents. And I just think it's very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, not to minimise this, Microsoft aren't simply plugging in those three components. They've done a lot of research on this, especially concentrating on spoken language versus written language. It's a challenging area. It's it's not trivial at all. I'm just saying I'm, I'm surprised that I haven't heard of something similar to this, if not cruder, but similar to this years ago. I just think it's too daunting. It's just... It was just too big of an ask. I mean, the real timeness of it is kind of cool. That, 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 that's that really does, what makes it, isn't it? That's yeah, really what makes yeah. it. If that it wasn't just, real time, it, it wouldn't work on Skype, would it? No, not really. And that's the bit that just makes it, you know, sci-fi. And, I mean, we know how complicated this stuff is. To it. Like, we, we don't... Like we don't understand it, but we understand how complex it can be because we understand what goes into writing some of the stuff. And it's just like, yeah, the the level of intelligence that has to be involved is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, like the, the algorithms and the, the, the ability to adapt and it's it's very, very cool. I mean, dictation technology has been evolving for a while. It's always been I think in the eyes of some backwards, right? Uh, you know, but it's because of the complexities involved. But it has been improving so much. I have just six, seven, eight, nine months ago played around with the built-in dictation in Mac OS X uh, Mavericks, the latest OS, and it's you know it's been it has been years since I last tried this. The accuracy is so much, so much more improved. Still not. 100% and sure it gets things wrong but I'm just amazed by just how, how good it is compared to some years ago when it was really hit and miss yeah I think it has come an incredibly long way like it's actually becoming viable now and I can really see something like this like them improving the algorithms if it's doing it real time people could actually feed back saying this isn't right this is right and it could help improve the algorithms in that yeah, way yeah. in which case the whole thing will like learn by itself and that's i mean that's the sort of thing that really like gets me into into technology like um like that cloud the crowdsourcing checking of photos system that oh, they yes, had for yes. that lost point i mean i just love that whole system the the you know you search through if you if if you identify things and you're right more often, then the algorithm treats you as a more reliable source. And just that way of learning is just it's just really elegant, and I really like that. The human side of technology is a kind of a, it is a cool side of tech, and that, yeah. I, I must say I get really excited by that side as well. I love this sort of stuff. I really do. Yeah, because uh, I mean, because the the. The technology that we work is very rigid. It's very, you tell it to do something and it will do what you tell it to do. And if the conditions aren't right, it won't do it. And it's all fairly straightforward. And if something doesn't work, you can get into it and you can find why it doesn't work. Every now and again, we'll do something a little bit tricky. Like we'll write a little bit of recursive code or something where, you know, you can't, you, you kind of lose track of what you're actually telling it to do, but it gets to where you need it to get to. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. But the level of adaptability that has to be like in these is just I just find it amazing like for a for a rigid system to be able to work in a flexible way like that because we don't obey rules I mean our language the English language you 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 
name a rule and there'll be an exception to it. Like, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes there's exceptions to those, to the exceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just don't even bat an eyelid. We're like, well, of course that's the case. It, it makes no sense whatsoever, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're fine with that. And how do you tell a computer that's like, yeah. you know, it's either one or zero? And it's like, well, in this case, it's actually one and a half. And the computer's like, what are you on about? Well, you know, there was a huge social. Uh, I'm thinking of the word experiment, but it's not really the right word. Um, movement, I suppose, decades ago to solve this problem outside of technology, and that was Esperanto. Remember that? The artificial language that was a, a mishmash of all languages, so it's supposedly as neutral as you can get a language. The yeah. whole idea, though, is because it was built from scratch, It's log- everything's logical. Everything fits and is consistent and has rules with no exceptions. And that would have, so, I mean, you know, all you need is a couple of generations of kids being taught that it's a second language. And yeah. then you have, you've you got no translation issues because whenever you need to talk to someone who doesn't talk your first language, you revert to Esperanto. Now, English has sort of filled that role by de facto. But in a hodgepodge but, kind of way. Yeah, that's right. The, the problem with English, exactly, is that, like, well, like all languages really, but English particularly so, is illogical and has huge amounts of complexities and inconsistencies that it's very, very difficult to not only learn as a second language, but also to synthesize and introduce, you know, technology to interface with that, you know, text-to-speech and speech-to-text. Mm. Well, but unfortunately, the language, Esperanto never really took off. The language grows so much over time as well. Like, it changes so much. It takes from other languages. It yeah. it even changes itself. Like yeah. a word, a word that meant one thing, you know, 150 years ago, means something completely different 50 years ago, and means completely different again today. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is just amazing. Like how how are you supposed to be able to? Yeah, ad- I mean, in, in like all that? languages, uh, I think that's that's true of all languages. But unfortunately, you know, there, you there think- is. Go ahead. Just think how hard it would have been for um, for even our parents or grandparents that were there for the transition from imperial to metric. Just think how crazy that would seem. Like, oh, everything's different. It doesn't make any sense. And yet, for us that have been, that's all we've ever known. I mean, decimal and metric. Just like, how could you have any? Like, in a in a mathematical it, yeah, yeah. or scientific community, how could you have anything else? That's right. Like, if, if, nothing if, if, else makes any sense to me. That's right. Well, you know, he, so actually, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you came up with that analogy because, really, I, the metric system, if you like, is a complete overhaul in a logical fashion of weights and measurements. Yeah. And Esperanto would have been that same thing in the language world. Fortunately, yeah. it never took off. I, I could really see that as being a valuable thing. Yeah, well, it would have been, but I think it's too late now. And English is so widespread that it's, I mean, it's, it's never impossible to do because, you know, you, you, you're not, we're not talking about replacing, this is, that was the whole thing with Esperanto. It wasn't that that was going to be one language for the whole world. It was going to be one second language for the whole world. Yeah, the common so, language that everyone yeah, could Yeah, speak. that's right. So it's never, it's never too late, but I think now the, the more English becomes widespread, the less, uh, less of a driver there is for a, an artificial language like Esperanto. The one it, advantage would be that it would actually be logical to learn it, I guess, and it would be more straightforward. And- yeah, that's right. And it would probably be one of the easiest languages to learn because it's designed, not evolved. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah. Would have been a great you know, experiment. But. Yeah, yeah. There are still a soci- um, clubs and societies. Is you know, is the Esperanto club uh, that you can jo- <laughs> you can join and speak Esperanto with people who have learned it. There are speakers out there, but it's more of an enthusiast uh, thing than a than a. There are people thing. that speak Klingon. Of course, there are people that speak <laughs> Esperanto. <laughs> I was I was going to come up with the uh, parallel of of Latin, but of course, you had to one up me on that one. <laughs> Refer to yeah. Klingon. <laughs> I, I didn't study Klingon at school. Unfortunately, I did study Latin at school. Did you? Yeah. Did you really? In fourth form. Yeah. I would have loved to have studied Latin. You know, at the time, I, didn't, I probably wouldn't have cared, but now I'm, I'm kind of interested in Latin, and I I wouldn't mind learning Latin. If you were going to go on and do another language, I think there was a lot of merit to it because it taught you all the fundamentals of how, yeah. Yeah. you know, language is supposed to be built, stuff yeah. that I had no idea about. Um, but I didn't go on to learn any other languages unless you call like C++ and PHP language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they're, they're a language, just... Uh, yeah, yeah. But I probably had more benefit from maths than I did from Latin for those. Yeah. Anyway, Ben, I think uh, we'll end the show there. It's been a it's been a good show. Uh, not bad for only two stories worth and we're over half an hour. So, yeah, look at that. Yeah, sweet. It's the tangents that you bring us on. Yeah, I am. I am a tangent factory. You are. <laughs> it's all good. Ben, thank you very much for co-hosting. Appreciate it. Cheers. You're welcome. All right. And we'll talk uh, again next time. Until then, take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. The language contra- constructs of spoken text as opposed to... Uh, hang on, what was it? <laughs> spoken language. <laughs> hang on. Unders- understanding language. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Good luck translating this one, uh, Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, need a, I think we need an English-to-English translator on, on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll do that again. <laughs>